You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Um, I'm excited about sharing with you. I, I do have um, a lot to say today in a little bit of time to do it. And so uh, I might take a little more time, but I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be as uh, thoughtful as I can. Um, can we pray too fa- really fast just for a second? Father, thank you for your help in this, in this message, in this time. I pray that you would ease us, that you would actually allow us to soak in what you're saying, what you're, what you're doing, uh, what you want us to hear, God. I pray that we have ears to hear your voice, ears to hear your word, God. I thank you that you would anoint me in this moment, Lord, to share and communicate your heart. Uh, I pray that your truth prevails, as it always does. I thank you that your word doesn't return to you void, but it actually accomplishes what you send it to accomplish. I thank you that we are people of fruit. We bear fruit, we have fruit, and we give fruit away. Uh, We love you so much. We declare these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, New Year's Eve, I spoke a message called The Year of Truth or The Year of the Sword. Uh, If you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, I firmly believe that uh, it is the word of God for the year for our church. Um, It was really just this strong, strong pointed message of uh, we have to make sure that more than ever, it should always be this way, but more than ever, we're finding ourselves in the word. We're finding our solutions in the word. We're fighting from the word. Um, we're actually building our lives upon his truth. Uh, it's, 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 it's pertinent in this time. And in all honesty, I, I pray, and I've been in this place, the scripture has been rolling over in me. Uh, I pray that this kind of finds you as it found me. How many of you brought your Bible to church today? Look at y'all, way to go. And make sure you bring your Bible to church. You need to be able to write in it. You need to be able to mark it up. You need to be able to highlight some things, write some notes. Uh, fall in love with this. This is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. So we have to have relationship with this because it gives us relationship with Jesus as well. Uh, it says this in 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Timothy sorry, chapter 4. Verses one through five is what I'm gonna read. He says, I charge you therefore, brother, uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ himself, uh, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. He says this, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. Say, I don't have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. Say, that's not me. And be turned to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I I believe that the word of God has gotta be the center Uh, That's why I'm like, preach the word. Preach the word over and over, preach the word. Uh, Let that thing just kind of be something that just festers in you. It's gotta be uh, what we build everything on our lives around. Uh, I would say this, if you decide to do something with your parenting, make sure the Bible supports what you're doing in your parenting. Either good or bad. Either it's something new and it's a, a new way of correcting or 
I'm not even gonna stop there. <clears throat> or it's not correcting. Make sure the Bible supports it. Uh, make sure the Bible supports uh, what you're doing in your marriage. Make sure the Bible supports what you're bringing into your marriage. Make sure that your spouse knows what you're bringing into your marriage. Amen? Oh, it's gonna be a quiet one maybe. <laughs> if it doesn't support it, it's really simple. Confess that, repent, submit to the word, and your marriage will actually make it. it happens over and over and over. Does the Bible support or deny your, your business practices? Not, are your business practices illegal or legal? But does the Bible support what you're doing in business? Or how about this one? Does the Bible support or oppose you? Just let those things kind of fester. Let those things just be something that you think about. Let, them, let it be something that you meditate on. Because we want and need our lives to look more like Jesus died for them than anything else. And he didn't die to share custody with you uh, and something else. He's not a weekend kind of God. He's not, hey, I'll get you every other weekend and then your life or whatever you decide can get you the rest of it. No, no, no. He doesn't share custody. He didn't give Jesus the best to only get you half of the time. Amen? Everything that you do as it pertains to the word, it matters. The way that you hear the word, what you do with the word afterwards, it matters. The title of the message is, how is your hearing? How well are you hearing? I've kind of been on guard a little bit. I believe that I've got, like, I've been, I've been before the Lord for a while and I believe that he's kind of graced me, thankfully, to be able to say some things um, that are a little more pointed, um, not to bring condemnation or not to even just be, I have no desire to be uh, controversial, but I do desire to bring some things and some urgencies, blow the trumpet, if you will, uh, to warn about wicked things that are disguised as wisdom. Because not everything that you see on Instagram or TikTok is followable. Amen? <laughs> um, this is not to be attacking, but it's actually just to be kind of delivering. So um, I would say this, what you, do about, what you do with the word matters. You have a responsibility in all of this. James chapter one, verses 22 through 25. I'm not gonna read all of it, but what it says is it says, prove yourselves and what's up there, so now I have to read it. Prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to internalize its meaning, meaning they hear it, but they actually don't let it soak in, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if you only listen to the word without obeying it, He's like a man who looks very carefully in this, at, at his natural face in a mirror. Once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, talking about the word, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience." Our responsibility is not to just be a hearer of the word only, but hear and do. We are to do both of those things. Here, James tells us that we can't just be merely listeners, but we have to be these kinds of people that will take the word and allow it to actually shift the inner parts of who we are. 
Can I tell you, your heart matters in the way that you hear. What you hear and what you do with the word actually is dependent on the condition of your heart. And if that word actually comes to pass in your life, depends on the condition of your heart. Your heart influences the way that you hear. We have to allow the word to infiltrate our heart, shine, shine light in the dark places and flush out anything that might be unholy. Uh, Luke chapter six, verse 45 says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can leave that up there for a minute. I'm gonna ask, where does the treasure come from in the scripture? It comes from the heart. Good or bad comes from the heart. How did it get in there? Our thought life. How did those thoughts get in there? Through two gates, what you hear and what you look at. I would, I would say that what you listen to mostly and what you, look at, you, what you look at mostly, you are actually probably saying or living those things out in your life in these moments. If your world is wrapped up in the fantasy uh, of anything other than reality, you're probably moving further into a place of not experiencing intimacy and into a place of seclusion because in intimacy, you have to be known. And if I don't wanna be known, I will just seclude. So what I'll do is I'll find myself wrapped up in a fantasy where I can be something that I'm not normally. I'll find myself wrapped up in a video game where my name is Dominator. My, I, mine's not, I don't have video games. <laughs> but if yours is, bless you. But I'll find myself wrapped up in a, in a world where I can create a name that boosts me and then people pay attention to how many kills and how accurate I am. But my marriage is suffering and I can't connect to my wife, the two don't translate. What I see and what I hear actually influences what's in my heart and what's in my heart I will live out. And if there's nothing in there, I won't live anything out and I won't give anything out. All of a sudden I walk into a marriage and my wife needs my attention, but I don't have anything to give her because I've been focused on something that doesn't do anything except for occupy my time. What are you depositing? Good or bad, it's going to come out. Amen? Um, yeah, how is your hearing? So I'm gonna jump into, I, wanna, I just really wanna do this. I wanna break down um, a parable found in Luke chapter eight for the rest of the time that we have together. And I believe it's gonna help us get some understanding or even maybe just describe where we are. It's really challenging to go to where you want to go unless you first discover where you are. It's hard for me to say I'm gonna to go to Dallas if I don't know where I'm starting because I might end up in El Paso and those are two different things. So my intention is that you find point A in this time. So Luke chapter eight verses four through 15. It says, and when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. He said, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, yielded a crop of a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried out, he who has an ear, let him hear. 
And the disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. He says, now the parable is this. So this is the explanation of what he just said. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, they keep it and bear fruit with patience. So the seed in this moment, it is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The ground represents our hearts. So you have the seed, you have the ground. When Samuel was going to look at, uh, uh, for, for uh, a replacement of king, he went and he searched through all these brothers and, and he, all these guys stand before him. He's looking for David and he didn't know he was looking for David, but this man stands before him and God tells him this. He says, hey, God, men judge the outward appearance, but I judge the heart. There's something about us that has to understand that God is looking at the things that we're doing behind closed doors. Your character, it actually matters because it's shaping your heart. What you look at behind closed doors, what you listen to behind closed doors, it actually matters because it's shaping your heart and God looks and judges by the heart. So in this, God, uh, ground equals heart. I'm gonna say this three times because I want you to get it. Ground equals heart. The ground in this, it equals your heart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use those words interchangeably as I, as I go through this. So there's four conditions. There's four ground conditions or heart conditions that are listed in Luke chapter eight. And before I go into each one of these types of grounds, I want you to understand this. They all had one thing in common. They all had the ability to hear the word. The one that produced the fruit had the same ability, the one that didn't. We all have this luxury, we all have this ability to actually be able to hear the word. <laughs> What's that Rush Hour movie? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> it's that. We all have the ability to hear, right? They all heard the word, same as us. Another thing is, is that each of these grounds that are listed here, they all have the ability to change. You have the ability to change, I have the ability to change, I have the ability to shift or change into something that is better or something that is worse. The good ground could become the wayside. The wayside could actually become the thorny. And the thorny ground could actually become the rock. It, at any point, they could change. Why? Because it depends on what you do with what you hear. If you are good ground now, and you stop doing what you have been doing with the word, don't be surprised if you become rocky. If you have been by the wayside, that type of ground that just seems real hard, and we're gonna dive into this, seems real hard for the gospel. And you start allowing yourself to mix it up with people that start plowing or chipping away at some of your hardness, you might actually turn into the person, I hope, that actually is bearing fruit like the good ground. They all had the ability to change. They all actually could receive the word. They could hear the word. This waysided ground it said that it was trampled down, meaning it was really hard packed. It represents a hardness of heart. It's a heart that hears the word, but it's hard to the word. 
It doesn't consider that the word could be something that changes its life. Every week we come into church and we hear things, we hear the, the DNA of God in scripture. God is a changing God. He's a God that the word says can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, think, hope, or imagine. And then some of us are faced with this thought, but not for me. Oh, that's too good to be true. That might be good for someone that's sitting in my aisle, but it's just not good for me. I would say that you've probably moved into a place of being the waysided ground. Your heart is hard. But there's good news. It can be changed. Another thing about this type of ground is it has no memory because oftentimes it can't be impacted. When I have, when there's something that impacts my life, I all of a sudden remember that thing that impacted my life. If my heart is hard, especially as it pertains to the things of God, you can see a miracle, you can see something magnificent happen and it won't penetrate you. And then when you actually need to remind yourself of God's goodness, you have no memory of it because there was no impact because you already were hardened and you already knew. Think about the disciples, they, they saw Jesus. They actually, this, ha this miracle happened through the disciples' hands. All these people were gathered and, and, and the disciples were like, hey Jesus, we need to send these people away or you need to feed them, one of the two. And he's like, hey, what do you have? Five loaves, two fish. He breaks it, he blesses it, and he says, all right, pass this out. So through the hands of the disciples, they start passing out these five loaves and these two fish, and 5,000 people get fed. It's incredible. So much so that they, 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 they took up baskets of fragments that were leftovers. Immediately after this, you find the disciples in a boat, and the boat is being just tossed and, and confronted by these contrary winds, as the scripture calls them, and the waves are crashing against the boat, and all this stuff is happening. And it says that they're in fear. And the Lord Jesus, he walks on the water in this moment. He walks out on the water to the boat. And they see him, they think he's a ghost, and they're even more terrified. I gotta admit, like, I might understand that. But it says this, it was really interesting. When they realized it with Jesus, they were in awe of the miracle. And he said, there's a line in there, it says, had they discerned the loaves, their hearts wouldn't have been hardened. Meaning, if they would have not stopped considering the grandness and the miraculousness of the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, their hearts would have been softened and in this moment they wouldn't have had the fear. They're, they would have actually prevailed without needing the rescuing. But Jesus in his goodness, he always rescues. Each time you hear the word through the scripture or through the Bible, through a teaching, and you tear it down, you drive a stake in the ground of doubt about what you hear, or you wrongly criticize. I'm not telling you to, to not criticize. Try the word, apply the word. Make sure that it matches what you're, pre what you're hearing preached. Make sure it matches in your scripture or your Bible. But when you do that in a wrongful way because you're trying to, because <laughs> it's pride, what you're actually doing is allowing the enemy, you're agreeing more in the moment with the enemy and he actually can come and steal the word so it actually doesn't lead you into a place of salvation or repentance or life. It's all in there. The second ground is this rocky ground. It says this in verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. Ah, oh, that was a nice word. I like that word. That word made me kind of like, Give me some butterflies. I might share that word on Instagram. That's the rocky ground. It says in 
these have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. Once again, the rocky ground like the wayside, it hears the word, has that luxury. They have this little bitty room, this little sliver of space. I see it like you have concrete, and then you got that crack where you're like, how in the world is anything growing in that crack right there? Most of the time, it's a weed. I also see the rocky ground like I have some zeroscaping at my house and on the corner, and there's a bunch of like crushed granite. But between the little, between the pieces of crushed granite, every now and then like a blade of grass will spring through from a seed that was blown into that place. But those are the simplest to pull out because they're actually not very deep rooted. They're actually just on the surface, and that's what he's talking about in this moment. He's talking about those that are on the rocky ground. They're like, oh, I, I hear the word, I hear what you're saying. Oh, that, uh, that actually confirms something in me that I believe. Oh, I like that, I'm gonna take that, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna celebrate that, I'm gonna post that like I said, I'm gonna follow that for a while. And then all of a sudden, a week later, two weeks later, maybe the same day, whatever that is, something from before slides back into your DMs. Is that a thing that's said anymore? Oh man, sorry. Something is in your inbox that shouldn't be in your inbox. And it's a former temptation. It's a former person. It's a former way of life. It's an addiction. It's a drug. It's an alcohol. It's an invitation to a bar that you know you shouldn't be at. It's one of those things that come back. It is a temptation that causes you to say, this was good, but man, it's kind of, I kind of don't know if I'm on fire. It, it's not hitting me the way that it was. I already shared it once. I can't share it again. Like, it's not quite doing what it did for me. But this, I remember. Oh, and I could have a lot of fun right now. So there's this moment of falling back in temptation. And it says, in this moment, that word actually brings no fruit to, uh, no fruit, uh, to maturity because it gives in to temptation. It keeps getting sucked back and forth. It, it comes to church, it hears something, it, it causes them to be on fire for God for a moment and then temptation says, no, 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 I actually need you over here and they say, okay, I'll come back. There's this give and this take with the rocky ground and then he moves into this place of the thorny ground and I'm kind of coming through these pretty quick because I'm running out of time but in verse 14 he says this, uh, <clears throat> now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they heard, they go out on are choked with cares and pleasures of life, and they bring no, I'm sorry, cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. This ground, it takes it a little bit further than the grounds that we've previously discussed. These believers, they hear the word. They act on the word. They hear the word, and it causes joy to rise up in them. They're like, oh yeah, I like that, I'm gonna share that. And then they start acting. They apply that word to many areas of their life. However, there seems to be a bit of competition within the, th the thorny ground. Because within the thorny ground, there's thorns. You have the word growing, and it says that there's also thorns growing all at the same time. And it says that the thorns, it actually represents cares, riches, and pleasures of life. It's like, oh, I came to church and something really good was said and it sparked me and so now I'm following and I'm reading my Bible, but on the same hand, I actually really like this pleasure that I have over here. 
I actually like having these riches. I actually, and I'm not telling you that you have to be broke to follow Jesus, that's a lie. But you can't have the wrong relationship with riches and have the right relationship with Jesus. This doesn't work. The word says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and the love of money or God and materialistic things. You will either love one or you will hate the other. And in this ground, eventually what happens is they say, oh, the word is kind of losing its luster, but my riches haven't failed me yet. My ability hasn't failed me yet. Oh, I have this ability to make money. It hasn't failed me yet. So I'm gonna actually lean slowly into this place of going this route. And it says that the thorns actually choke out the word. And once again, the word actually doesn't perform what it's supposed to perform in the thorny ground's life. Think about the rich young ruler, this man in scripture. It says this in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. He says, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered him, answered to Jesus, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth, Meaning I already do all that. What else? Then Jesus said, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowfully for he had great possessions. Oh man, my my possessions are so great that if I could keep those in my relationship with them, that was wrong, obviously, in this moment, or he wouldn't have walked away sorrowfully, and, and have you, Jesus, if I could just have two gods, this one and you, can I then inherit eternal life? Jesus' answer, obviously, wasn't about him selling his things, it was about him dying to himself. The thorny ground has a really hard time dying to their own self. Because at the end of the day, it's about them. This young man, he knew the word. Says that I've been doing these things since my youth. Meaning at some point, someone came and scattered the word and he actually heard the word and he was doing the word. Been honoring my father and mother. Hadn't murdered anybody. That's good. Hadn't stolen, I'm doing the word. But yet, he had two masters. And the pleasures and the riches that he had as great possessions, they ended up winning. The heart that believes that they can be devoted to God and another God, little G-O-D, will bring no fruit to maturity. The thorns will choke out the word. And then you have this, lastly, the good ground, the ground that we all aspire to be. It says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those having heard the word with a good and noble heart. They keep it and they bear fruit with patience. This is a ground that hears the word, but they don't just hear the word, they have a plan to keep the word. What's your plan? What's your plan to keep the word so that you bear fruit like this ground over time? The good ground, it prays the word, it reads the word, it acts on the word, and it completely surrenders its life to the word. 
And that type of ground actually is the ground that actually prevails and fruit grows on that ground, from that ground. So much so that people around actually see this ground and its fruit and they actually benefit from it. All of these things that I've said, the thing that I want you to understand is, is that what you do with a word, it really matters. And what ground are you? Do you feel like you're in this place where you, you come in and, man, God does something and it's miraculous and you're all jazzed up during worship and you're jumping up and down and you leave and then all of a sudden you hit a brick wall. And before you know it, you're, you're back where you were before you ever came in. If that's you, dust yourself off, come back, go back to God instantly, don't run. The longer you wait, the more shame, the more guilt you live in. Go to him quickly. Let him care for you quickly. What type of ground are you? I think one of the challenges, and I'm gonna finish with this parable, but I think one of the challenges is that we, we live in this place and this time, there's worship movements. I love worship, okay? Y'all hear me say that? Okay, good. There's these worship movements all over the place and, and they're popping up everywhere and I love them. But it's almost as like, if I can just get in, into a place where I can have an encounter with God, everything's going to change. An encounter with God is really good. My life in Jesus started with an encounter. I went to this radical healing crusade and God touched me. I had an encounter with God. It led me to salvation. I prayed the prayer. I believed the things. I started changing my life. It started with an encounter. However, my life can't be sustained and your life can't be sustained on encounters with God. They have to be built upon what he said because this is the reason. If it's always about an encounter, it's always going to be about Jesus, will you light my fire? When in all actuality, we're supposed to dive into this and let this be the oil that fuels our lamp. That's the word. I have to get into this so that I am full, so that I have something to give away. The word says in Matthew chapter five, verse 16, I think it is, he says, let your, uh, let your works be done in such a way that people see your good works and they glorify the Father who is in heaven. The way that that happens is my life is full and fueled by the word so that my lamp, it actually burns in a way that people see my good works, but they point to God and say, God must be that good. If I don't have the word, what ends up happening, when you talk about a lamp, back in these moments when they're talking about a lamp, they had this lamp and it, was, and it had a wick and then it was full of oil and the wick actually soaked up the oil, but the wick itself wasn't the thing that was burning, it was the oil that was on the wick. And the moment that that lamp actually was drained of oil, it lost all of its oil, now the wick, it starts to burn. And what happens when the wick starts to burn without oil and it burns completely? The lamp doesn't work anymore. This actually keeps my lamp full. This is what my life should be burning off of. He says this, he goes on to say, and this is where I'm gonna shut us down. He says, no one, Luke chapter eight, verse 16 and 18, no one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. Doesn't make sense, right? But he sets it on a lampstand, why? 
so that all who enter may see the light, can see your light, can see your life. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Verse 18, therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. What does this mean? So you got this talk of this lamp, putting it in our bed, secrets are being revealed, taking heed how you hear. One gets, one that has gets more, the other one that doesn't have gets, what is this all about? Each time you hear something from the Lord and it bears witness with you and it resonates within you, your spirit is lit every single time. And every single time that your spirit is lit and you're burning on fire and you go home and you fall back into the place of letting temptation rule your life, you've just taken the lamp that God lit and you placed it under your bed. It actually does nothing for anyone in that place. If you're designed to give off the light of God, you can't be hidden. You can't be hidden in sin, you can't be, you can't be under your bed. You can't be falling into this place of temptation. Now, I understand God's grace is sufficient and his mercy is new every day. If you are just in this place of, I'm, I messed up, God. I fell short. Will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. Now, get back in the game. That is the way in which you should respond when you fall into a place of missing the mark or sin. The way that I care for the word, it keeps my fire burning. What I do with the word, what my plan is when I hear the word, it keeps my fire burning. I want to be trusted with more. And in this set of scriptures, he says, the one who has, has already got some. This goes against our thinking. It's like, okay, you have some. You don't have very much. I'm going to give you more, and I'm going to take away what you have. Like, what in the world? It's because of this. This person that had more, they had more because they actually had a plan. They heard the word. They received the word with joy. They went out, they applied the word. They actually had a plan to actually allow the word to become something that was fruitful in their lives. And God says, I can trust you with more. Over the one that, the one that doesn't have, even what he seems to have, it'll be taken from him. He's talking about, and he says, consider how you hear. Meaning the one that actually hasn't done anything with the word at all, He's going to lose what it looks like he even has because his heart is growing into the place where the seed doesn't penetrate. But the beautiful thing is we all have the opportunity to grow. Every, every wayside has the opportunity to become good. I preach this because I, I said this a few weeks ago. I want more, more than anything, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus in your marriage. I want you to know Jesus in your parenting. I want you to know Jesus in your business. I want you to know Jesus in your home. I want you to know Jesus in every area of your life. And it comes through us getting to know him through what he said. He gave himself to be, and he revealed himself through this word. This has to be the thing that you build everything about your life on. If you know this, you will know him. And knowing him and knowing this, it sets you free is what the word says. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I want nothing more than 2024 to be a, a year that you'll, you'll never forget. That this is a launching pad year as you're building yourself up on the truth. Amen? But it matters what you do with what you hear 
and uh, how you apply it. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.